Hello. My name is Hillary Kennedy, and I am Program Director for Medicaid Leadership at the National Association of Medicaid Directors, NAMD. I'd like to welcome you to Medicaid Leadership Exchange, a new podcast series exploring priority topics for Medicaid leaders. This series, developed in partnership with NAMD and the Center for Healthcare Strategies and made possible by the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, will feature conversations between Medicaid directors, sharing their insights and strategies on a variety of key topics. Today's conversation introduces the podcast series by focusing on strong, how strong leadership skills can support a Medicaid director's efforts to navigate the program's growing complexity. The participants will share insights around how leadership skill development can support a Medicaid director as they lead the agency, making their tenure more effective as they work to design and pay for services that deliver quality care to beneficiaries. I'd like to introduce the moderator for today's session, Ed O'Neill. Ed owns O'Neill & Associates, a management consulting and leadership development firm focused on change and renewal in the healthcare system. Ed founded O'Neill & Associates to assist organizations in understanding the strategic challenges they face in a changing healthcare world and developing strategies and leadership competencies to succeed. He's also a senior fellow at Stanford University's Center for Clinical Excellence Research and a senior advisor to the Blue Shield Foundation of California and the Gordon and Betty Moore Foundation. Ed is joined today by Gretchen Hammer and Mark Larson. I'd like to give each of you a chance to quickly introduce yourself with your titles, and then we'll head right into the questions. Gretchen, why don't you start? Sure, thank you, Hillary. Uh, my name is Gretchen Hammer, and I am a public leadership consultant working in a small firm supporting leaders who are trying to improve uh, our public good. And I also have the opportunity to serve as the Senior Strategic Advisor for the National Association of Medicaid Directors. Great. And Mark? Thank you. So I'm Mark Larson. I'm Vice President of Policy at the Center for Healthcare Strategies, where I focus on building leadership capacity for uh, Medicaid leaders and uh, those who partner with Medicaid, uh, and formerly am Medicaid Director from the state of Vermont. Great. Thanks, everyone. With that, I'll turn it over to you, Ed. Thanks, Hillary. Uh, Gretchen, Mark, good to be with you this morning to talk about uh, something that all three of us have shared a few thoughts about in the past, leadership and leadership in Medicaid. Uh, just generally, I'd like to start out with um, uh, how you think about leadership. How do you approach it? And what uh, role do you think it has uh, within uh, the Medicaid agencies uh, to make a difference? Uh, and I'll just go with Gretchen first. Sure. Uh, thank you, Ed. Uh, you know, as Mark mentioned, he's the former Medicaid director in the state of Vermont, and I was privileged to serve as the Medicaid director in the state of Colorado for nearly four years. And, and leadership is just absolutely critical to being successful as a public administrator, and in particular as an administrator over such a, a vast program and critical program like Medicaid. You know, I really think of, of leadership as, as an art and a science. Uh, I think Mark mentioned there are capacities that are required to be a successful leader, but there are also uh, a set of, of habits and mindsets that really uh, require. And so when I think of that mindset, it's really about motivating and supporting a group of people to, to move toward a common goal, right? That's really the, the, the fundamental definition of leadership from my perspective. And when you think about all of the goals that the Medicaid program is trying to achieve, access to care for 
populations that are traditionally not well served by the health care industry, ensuring people with disabilities have the opportunity to live their full life and thrive, trying to contain costs and bring some semblance of value to our very crazy healthcare system. Those four goals require incredible effort. And you really need a leader at the at the helm, if you will, keeping everybody focused on that that bigger goal. In particular, because the nuances and the day-to-day minutia of running a program that is both state-administered and federally administered can really suck you up, and you could spend your whole day just working at that detail level. And so leadership is critical, not only as the Medicaid director, but really throughout the agency to help remind people and, and lift their gaze, if you will, to the horizon and not just on the details that they work on on a daily basis. Great. Thanks, Gretchen. I think that that quality of leadership, of understanding that that it in part means working through other people to, to move towards the, the future direction, but also deal with the day-to-day task is really an important dimension. Mark, how about you? What, uh, what uh, things do you believe that leadership um, contribute to a successful uh, operation of a Medicaid agency? And I was thinking about how over the 50-plus year evolution of Medicaid, a couple of things strike me. Uh, one is just how constant change is and how what Medicaid looked like even 10, 15 years ago uh, may not really reflect what is happening in Medicaid today. Uh, and then I think about, you know, when we have almost 74 million Americans who are served by Medicaid programs, uh, you think about the, um, the vast impact that Medicaid programs can have on both individuals as well as communities and you know, states as a whole. Uh, but really the ability to maximize the potential of the influence of Medicaid really requires continuing to push that evolution and that change forward. Uh, sometimes against resistance and sometimes uh, with a bit of encouragement, which brings me back to that notion of leadership really uh, involving uh, working in partnership internally in your organization and externally with others to be able to continue the process of change driven, driven towards a sense of greater quality, but also recognizing the, the day-to-day pressures like budgets uh, and uh, legal accountabilities and authorities that have to be dealt with. But uh, it seems to me that the real challenge for Medicaid leaders is that managing and driving change in a world where you don't really have the ability to just say, go do it. You have to be able to uh, nudge people, motivate people, empower people to be able to keep that process going. That's great. I do think um, it, it, 20 years ago, maybe 30 years ago, we really thought about administering the state plan. And it was it, obviously in a state operation, more managerial in its notion. But with the rate of change and the depth of change demanded, I think that kind of adaptability 
uh, is essential. And then, you know, to link that back to, to Gretchen's point, working through people is a great uh, risk management strategy because you won't be able to get every answer uh, done. When you think both, uh, when both of you think back about your career, uh, what are the, or what is or was the biggest challenge that you faced as a leader? Um, I know there are lots to choose from, perhaps, but but what one sticks in your mind? And I'm going to give you a heads up. I'm going to ask you a little bit about how you how you addressed it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. You know, when I think of myself as a follower, right? We are all both leaders and followers. One of the things that I think the literature says and what I feel personally is what you need from your leader is some sense of predictability, right? You want to know that when you walk into that leader's office with a big problem, that there'll be a sort of predictable way in which that leader will respond. It is what I have found most disruptive when leaders are unpredictable. You don't know if you're going to get the cold shoulder. You don't know if you're going to get someone who rolls up their sleeves and helps you. Like that level of predictability. And, and so for me, maintaining a predictable tone, a predictable mindset, a predictable response was really, um, I think, critical to helping my staff know where they had the authority to make decisions and know where they sort of maybe needed to engage me and how I would likely respond to that engagement request. And it is just incredibly tiring to be predictable all the time, especially in such a, a you know, crazy environment um, as a Medicaid program can be. You know, all of us who are Medicaid directors and senior leaders, you know, have 15 meetings in a day on occasion. You're moving from, you know, negotiating with the federal government to managing an HR issue to working with a colleague in a sister agency, all within the course of one morning. And so finding ways to stay grounded, to stay focused, to stay emotionally stable so that you can be predictable for your staff and for right. your fellow leaders, right? They needed to be able to depend on you to bring your best skill set to a problem that the agency was collectively trying to solve. So I think that that was the part I found not necessarily most challenging, but the thing I had to be most attentive to as I moved through my day as Medicaid director is that notion of being predictable for my staff and for my colleagues so that we could be um, as effective as we needed to be. Yeah, I, I, I think I hear that a lot. I mean, I think it's one of the reasons why so many Medicaid directors have dogs at home so they can just go home and let down their hair and just be themselves. Mark, how about you? What did you find most challenging? So I think, I, I think Gretchen is right on. I would maybe add that when you're working in public service, uh, and particularly at a senior level, you always know that the clock is ticking and that you only have so much time in a position to be able to uh, have influence and make a difference. And so I think in that context, part of the biggest challenge is sorting out really quickly uh, what is it that you want to accomplish in that time and building the team that can help you enact that vision. Uh, and then in the context of fighting the fires of the day and the pressures that are always uh, eating up your schedule, fighting for the focus and the time to keep uh, a sense of what that guiding North Star is in your work 
uh, and what you really want to be able to accomplish uh, is probably one of the, the most difficult things. There's always going to be something that feels like it's more urgent than doing the strategic work that you want to be doing. Uh, and you always feel like your uh, development of your leadership team and your staff is uh, behind where you'd like it to be. And so prioritizing those things uh, seems to me to be one of the, the hardest things to, to achieve in state government as an executive leader. So uh, I'm just going to stick with Mark uh, for this uh, related because he just brought it up in terms of uh, developing yourself uh, and your team, uh, sharpening the saw. Uh, and let's do both of those. Let's talk about what you found helpful or even just available for yourself and also what you, you felt was most successful for development for your, your leadership team uh, around developing those leadership skills. Mark? And I think, you know, an important part of that, that development for me is getting to a place where you feel comfortable in your skin, in your position as a leader, and being able to know sort of what's comfortable to you, uh, what feels like a stretch, uh, to know your executive team and what their comfort zone is and what is outside of that comfort zone. Uh, and then being able to take advantage of those in a in a, some kind of a strategic way, uh, getting used to that in a position where you're constantly under scrutiny, I think took some time and it was really helpful to, for me specifically to develop a peer network of folks in uh, the position of Medicaid director or uh, in sister agencies within state government where you can kind of put down the armor that you have to put on on a daily basis to survive and really think about how do you, who are you as a leader? Where do you need to grow? Who can assist you? Uh, who are people that you can rely on? Uh, for me, that piece was essential to keeping some sense of both sanity as well as forward direction. That's great. Chris, uh, how about you? What, what, what did you turn to uh, to find the renewal for yourself, but also kind of look to for helping the team with that? Yeah, um, you know, I, I think that this is a, a place where that typical framing of people who are either extroverts or introverts is really important. I am an introvert by nature. And so uh, the notion of going to like a day long training after having spent a day being fully engaged with my staff and the work was really not where I would have felt was a good place for me to renew. So right. I, find my, I found myself reading a lot about leadership, about public administration, about the concepts of, of motivating teams and other things. And so I really found um, self-reflection and, and reading to be the place where I could pick up a nugget that could help me um, I would in some ways, uh, I go to yoga a lot, I would in some ways set an intention for the month, like this month I'm really going to try and be, you know, thoughtful in the way I respond when a staff person brings mm -hmm. me a question that I find annoying or whatever it would be. So I think that notion of sort of maintaining my self-awareness and maintaining some self. The other thing that I think um, was really important to me, and I think Mark, you said it, it's really lonely to be the Medicaid director or to be any sort of high level administrator. You know, I was 
uh, fortunate in some ways to be able to chair the board of the exchange here in Colorado when we were building it. And my goodness, that was a lonely position because you couldn't really talk to any of the people who were building the exchange because they all had a perspective on, you know, what should be done as we built it. And you had to maintain that distance of a person in the role of governance and, a, and your colleagues who were, you know, working on influencing the direction of, of the building of the exchange. Medicaid is the same way. Some of the traditional colleagues that you've had, you have to maybe have a different kind of relationship with. So I agree full, fully with Mark. Finding people in sister agencies who share a level of responsibility that you do, maybe in a different program area, but someone that you can talk to, and then maintaining that, you know, all-important kitchen cabinet. The people that you know are your friends. They may be colleagues as well, but they're they're really there to help you sort through when you face a challenge that you don't know how to overcome. Um, it was critical to have that group of people in my life as well while I was the Medicaid director. That's great. Really helpful. And it, it does occasion me to uh, push a little bit on on that. So I think one of the, the really um, uh, pretty consistent hallmarks of effective leaders is that they develop their own distinctive way of, of getting a continuous um, uh, feed of responses, feedback from people about what's going on. Not that they have to take it all, but they they need to hear uh, and monitor what's going on. Um, any it, you, you mentioned the kitchen cabinet, the informal uh, talk, uh, but both informal and formal, were there ways that were um, beneficial for you to know that you were getting uh, the straight skinny uh, in terms of what was going on within the agency and with and outside of the agency. Gretchen, we'll go back to you. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think that I have always prioritized being authentic in my way that I show up in the workplace um, and being willing to have an authentic relationship with members of the legislature, with stakeholders. Um, we had a member experience advisory council, and it was my favorite day when I got to go sit with those members and hear their experience navigating our program and where we were succeeding and where we really had some places where it was crazy, some of the things that we were requiring people to do in order to access care and services. So I think a level of authenticity is critical. Um, it creates a level of trust, even with people you may uh, you know, you have a formal relationship with members of the legislature, but that doesn't mean you can't have an authentic relationship where even if they may disagree with many of your policy perspectives, they trust that you're going to tell them the truth. They trust that you're going to answer uh, in the, with, you know, the best intention of helping the democratic process move forward, et cetera. So to me, authenticity comes to mind when you say, how do you maintain mm -hmm those connections, um, being authentic with your staff when you're struggling, being authentic with, you know, stakeholders when you're not sure what the next direction should be, I found is the way that allows people to trust that they can give you both positive feedback as well as feedback of where they think um, something may be off base. That's great. Really helpful. Mark, anything come to mind for you about uh, keeping that? I know I do realize I'm talking to two introverts, so... Um, probably shutting the valve off on feedback was something that you both wanted to do. But uh, uh, any any insight into what you did on a regular basis to keep that uh, feedback flow going? Uh, and my mind goes to, and I, I 
have to say that I wasn't always successful at this, but I think when I was successful, maintaining some sense of prioritization of what were the relationships that really needed attention and uh, knowing to prioritize those and spend time on those was really important because uh, to Gretchen's point, that trust is fundamental to being able to get feedback and information that was important to success. And it seems to me that that relationship building is always stronger if there's some sense of reciprocity, some sense of uh, giving and getting in the relationship. And that requires some degree of knowing what matters in terms of the the political capital and currency that you have as a leader, how how do you use it creatively? Uh, to Gretchen's point, sometimes in working with consumer groups uh, and you know individuals who were uh, members of our program, they simply spending time and being genuine and honest with them was enough. Uh, at other times, people wanted stuff, right? I mean, people wanted rate increases, people wanted money, things in budgets changes in benefit designs. Uh, sometimes you could do those things, sometimes you couldn't, but being able to think creatively about how you give and take in those relationships seemed to be really important. And, and Ed, if I could, I would add to that. Yeah. This is a place where I think that public leadership actually diverges from, from private sector leadership. You know, I felt uh -huh. a deep obligation to be available to stakeholders. It, it was part of my duty as a public servant. I, you know, I was paid by taxpayers. I administered a public program on behalf of the state that I worked in. Um, and I, on a regular basis, reminded my staff of their solemn obligation as well, that, that they did not come to choose, choose to work in a private sector organization. They chose to work in a public sector organization. And with that, came some additional responsibilities for engagement, for authentic relationships, for customer service, because we were there to serve, not necessarily uh, to, to work within a private sector industry. So, so that piece was sort of underlying and fundamental and, and something I talked explicitly with my staff about on a fairly regular basis, that there was an expectation of their behavior that came along with being a public servant. Yeah, I think that's um, that's an important element that oftentimes gets missed. Um, I know we've gone through a def redefinition of public service and roles and expectations, but important to remember that obligation. It also points to um, you know being called out uh, for things of uh, perhaps a higher order um, that the servant leader uh, is called out for. I know we're getting close to the end of time, but let me end with, with one more question here, which is um, along these lines of how do we respond to our better angels? And, and, and I'm always curious about this for leaders. So we can talk about it in lots of different ways, but, but at, at the end of the day, sometimes leadership is just showing up. <laughs> Um, but it's showing up on the day after the day you had a major defeat uh, or had to address issues that um, uh, really uh, were insurmountable and, and, and or you had, in effect, had your head handed to you. So um, any, anything that you uh, went to 
to help uh, with the courage to show up on that next day? What, what drove you there to, to um, get back in the game and get back in, into that leadership position? Mark, we'll start with you. And I was thinking that uh, I often maintain some, uh, a, I don't know, uh, a little list of stories mm. about the impact that our work as Medicaid or as the, the state had on individuals. And sometimes it was really practical, right. like a family that um, having a difficult time getting uh, something that they needed for their disabled child, uh, and we were able to facilitate it happening faster. And sometimes it was much more bigger and dramatic than that. But uh, those kind of stories were, for me, part of, in the difficult times, being able to connect myself and uh, folks who I worked with, with the sense that uh, people need us to do our work well, and particularly need us to do our work well when things are hard. Uh, because we have the chance of changing lives in Medicaid. Uh, and being able to connect to that, uh, connect to it quickly, easily, directly with folks, uh, and uh, in quiet moments with myself really helped ground me and keep me focused on that sense of where, uh, what have we done and where are we trying to get to in the future. Great. Thanks, Mark. Gretchen, anything come to mind for you about what got you out of bed that next day? <laughs> to get back to it? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it was a, um, at a very base level, an obligation. Right? If I signed up to be Medicaid director, I had an obligation to be there on those hardest days and to uh, motivate the team to elevate the issues. You know, that was sort of my job in, in some ways. And so I think there was this very base obligation that I felt. But I think also, you know, what one of the ways you get through those defeats or those tough times is is to remember that, that this program will be has been around for fifty years and, and, and will likely be around for many more years in the future. And so to put those defeats into context, both for yourself, you know, this yes, this is not something we would have asked for. This is not the direction we hope we were going wow, that's a different way that we're going to have to move now, given some change in the context. But to put those all into perspective, both for yourself and for your staff, um, was really, I think, the core to, to that, each of those, those difficult days, when you lost something at the legislature or, you know, something didn't go well with the stakeholder, uh, that long-term perspective, and I think that's, again, going back to where we started, the role of the leader to keep our eye on the on the horizon, not just on the, the work of the day, um, really came to play on those difficult days when we all needed um, to be reminded of, of the direction we were headed over time. That's great. I think both of those are, are useful insights, uh, how to keep up the, the courage to lead. Well, I think I'm going to uh, take this occasion to turn it back to Mark uh, for a little bit of a wrap up for us in a, the discussion. But I want to thank you both for being so uh, open and candid and engaging with your comments about leadership. Mark? Ed, thank you. Uh, and thank you, 
Gretchen, it's always a, a pleasure to be able to have these conversations with you. Uh, a couple of things stand out for me in our conversation. Uh, one is the uh, ever-evolving landscape of Medicaid and uh, the important impact that it has. Uh, and maybe I would add that in, in the world that we're in, more and more the importance of collaboration with others in and outside of Medicaid. Uh, but in that context, as we talk about the, the concept of leadership, uh, we're, I think, always reminded about how leadership is a balance of the getting things done, uh, the knowing where we're trying to get to and what our strategic goals and priorities are, as well as that important work of relationship building uh, and the, Gretchen, to your point, the importance of, of trust in particular. Uh, and as we talk about how to manage that uh, within particularly the context of public service, uh, Gretchen, you said early on the importance of habits uh, and mindsets. And it seems to me that part of what leaders who take advantage of their time uh, to get things done really do well is that they continue to experiment. I think in many ways we've talked about how the world doesn't slow down. The, the fires of the day are always going to be pressuring you. But as we focus on experimenting with those habits to figure out uh, what works, uh, what works for us individually and what works for the folks that we work with really is an important part of fulfilling, which I loved your, your sense of that sense of a solemn obligation that comes with our work. So uh, it seems to me that if we continue to build on the possibility, uh, be open to experimentation of how we play those roles and take careful care of the relationships that we rely on, uh, it would do us all well. Great, thank you, Mark, and thank you, um, Ed and Gretchen, for all of your really thoughtful comments and, and your candid um, openness as you sort of talk through some of these issues around leadership and how important it is um, in the role of being a Medicaid director and, and leading the agency and leading your teams. Um, I hope everybody listening found this conversation valuable as well. Um, NAND and CHCS are really excited to bring you more podcasts in and around leadership um, topics in the coming weeks and months. So please keep an eye out for those um, as we continue to expand on this series of conversations. So I, again, want to thank everybody, um, and I hope you all have a great day. Thanks.